Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. Kelly, are you excited to talk some games? I am not, because we're going to be talking about a lot of movies first. Oh. Oh. Was what I wanted you to say. Should I have written that down? or I thought you could just read oh. my mind and know that's what no. I wanted you to say. I'm 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 functioning on like 2% brain power today, so you're just going to have to bear with me here. Speaking of okay. functioning on 2% brain power, um, Gears of War. Ooh, I just took a shot at Gears of War, a series I have Why? no opinion on. I just thought it'd be <laughs> funny to trash on it. I have nothing against it. Um, I've heard good many good things. And I plan to play it someday, probably. Um, but something that might help me get into it is the upcoming, just announced, live-action movie coming from Netflix, as well as a follow-up to said movie in the form of an animated television series. Um, this is exciting. They also teased that the universe uh, would just be beginning here, so I assume there's other stuff in the works. I think it's interesting to announce a movie and then before you even like finish that sentence, also announce a sequel to it in the form of an animated show. Yeah, I uh, I think that I don't understand why this is happening because it seems like Netflix is not um, really making as much money as it used to and making a big live action movie based on a video game seems like it might be expensive. Um, the animated series makes a little bit more sense to me because that is obviously cheaper to produce and what we've seen from Netflix in terms of like their animated adaptations are a lot better than you know most live action video game media yeah so I mean not counting The Witcher but that's technically based off of a book too so yeah The Witcher um funnily enough there is news about The Witcher this week which I'm sure we all are aware of at this point um but if you're not uh, Henry Cavill, who plays Geralt. Geralt? Geralt. I, I don't like you looking at me for confirmation when I don't know. Um, I say well, Geralt, but I don't I've know. I've seen the show. I've, I'm have i all caught up. I still can't, I can't remember how to say his name. Um, anyway, <laughs> he's uh, announced that he has left uh, The Witcher and that Liam Hemsworth will be replacing him in the next season. And season four, I should say. Yeah, because um, season because they're three done on with the, season three. Yeah, season three's on the way, right? Yeah. Um. So, very sorry to all you Henry Cavill fans, but this was also very shortly after he announced that he would be returning as Superman. So, um, at least you'll get to see him in that still. It this seems weird to me, right? Is this just me, or is that that's weird, right? Um, I think I read a little bit online about how there was a lot of like creative differences um henry cavill's like kind of a like um he's really into like the lore uh of the character in the book and he was frequently like he talked about it in interviews a lot how he kind of wished that the writers would you know make Geralt, gerald Geralt, make him a bit more um internal and uh intellectual like he is in the books but uh so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't know if uh, Zack Snyder just offered him a fat stack 
Henry Cavill doesn't really strike me as the type of guy to be like, oh, here's where the money's at. I mean, um, he has plenty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he is a really big, uh, I don't want to say nerd, but he is really into like video games and and um, that sort of thing. So maybe it's just like a passion thing for him. I don't really know. I feel like if it's true that there's creative differences, that's a major concern. But. Well, I don't necessarily think it's creative differences in terms of like the direction of the story, just like a character. Thing, like his portrayal. Doesn't really. I mean, to me, I get it. I understand why people like The Witcher. I'm not like. I I to me, it's very um, like, take it or leave it. It's not my favorite fantasy series, and it never will be. Um. So. To me, it doesn't matter really who plays Geralt. And I know that people are like, it's him, it's Henry Cavill. It's like, I guess. That's... He just has to be like an, a grumpy guy in yeah, a white I mean, it's wig. it's just Geralt, like, right? It doesn't need to be, he's not like an iconic character that can only be played by one person. No, it's not like Henry Cavill created the character. There had been more than one representation of that character already. You know? Yeah, and like I like Henry Cavill. No, no disrespect to him, but he's. It's not like he's like a prestige actor. You know what I mean? He's pretty. Um, he. I mean, he's a very attractive man, and I think that that earns him a lot of clout. <laughs> as it is. Um, speaking sad. of attractive men and Netflix television programs, Netflix's Sonic Prime drops on December fifteenth. Why are you making a grossed out face? I would not describe Sonic in that way. Neither would I. I'm talking about oh. Eggman. Okay. Same. What did you think I was talking about, Kelly? Well, of you course. said, speaking of a very attractive man, Sonic. Sonic's a hedgehog. He's also Kelly. a man. He's a man hedgehog. Manhog? Oh. Manhog. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped a new trailer for Sonic Prime and announced that December 15th release. Uh, the new trailer made me think... Hmm. I don't I don't think I'm the target audience for this. Um I feel like it was obvious that the Sonic television show was going to be marketed towards children, but um it kind of looked very child-centric. Um the animation's really pretty. I think the art style is really cool. Um there's a lot of like squatching and stretching in the animation. Um there's like edgy versions of Tails, Amy, and Knuckles, which I think is a choice um, because Sonic appears to be in some like edgy alternate world. Um, I don't know. I'll probably try it, but I'm aware that this is, I'm not probably going to be the target market for this, and that's okay. But um, I don't know. Are you excited for, for Sonic Prime on Netflix coming December 15th, Kelly? I'm excited for people who like Sonic. Um, I will not be watching, but wow. I think it'll be great fun. Yeah. Oh, speaking of people who like Sonic, uh, I should probably do this pretty quick because it's on brand with Sonic. Uh, we have a very exciting word from our co-sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Century, a new esports organization from Pittsburgh. Their team runs tournaments for Smash and other video games. Find them on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash PGH Century 
or go to their website, smackcentury.gg, S-M-A-K, century.gg, to find out more info about attending or viewing their content. They really like chili dogs, as do I, because we are both Sonic the Hedgehog, Century the Hedgehog. Wow. Did I say that fast enough? I think so. I think Sonic might have said it faster, but that's okay. I won't hold it against Okay. Ready? Three. Okay. Two. Two. One. One. How was that? Did I do good? Yeah. Can you do it again? Uh, yeah, let me do it a little faster. Three. Okay. Two. Two. One. One. How was that? How was that? Was that good? That was even better. That was probably the best it's ever been. Thank you. That really means a lot. Have you um seen those Sonic Frontiers reviews? No, I haven't. Okay. The current average on my personal favorite aggregate site, Open Critic, is a a warm seventy three. So, I I'm still playing the game. I'm gonna play the game. Okay. Because I'm very curious because there's a lot of people saying, I love it. And a lot of people saying, I hate it. And I'm like, you know what? I find divisive games more interesting than mediocre games. You know, if everybody was like, it's fine, that'd be boring. But there's people saying they love it and people saying they hate it. And I'm like, I want to find out why. So, yeah, we need more divisive games. Yeah. So sorry. I I didn't mean to talk about video games on this show. I know it's fine until the movie news was over. Yeah, we need to shift back into movie and television, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sorry, I forgot the brand of our podcast. Yeah, I forgot what this podcast is about. Television. (laughs) Um, The Last of Us HBO show, it was uh, announced. What is wrong with me? It was announced (laughs) that it will be premiering next year, January 15th, which is very, very soon. Um, Actually, if you think about it, it's like two months away. Yeah. which is a little oh, bit right. racy. Um, and it will also be nine episodes, which is pretty standard for like HBO shows. They're usually nine or ten episodes a season. Um, so, yeah. Are we? You're watching this, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I will be tuned in every Sunday night. My real question was like how we review such a <laughs> such a program. Um, cause in my brain I was like, well, it doesn't come out till like next summer probably, but here it is two months from now. And I didn't know that HBO did like, this is as close to shadow dropping as you can kind of do with this kind of thing. And I didn't realize they did that. I thought they were more like big lead up kind of people. Yeah. So you would think, especially with something like this, but they, their next year is kind of packed. I think they've got a lot of, st- they have the next season of succession, which is a very, very big HBO show. So. They probably want to get this out of the way before they do succession and yeah uh, they probably have some end of the year stuff next year too but it's just um, when you say vague 2023 i'm so used to video games that my brain assumes you must mean late 2023 yeah yeah and we kind of thought that it was going to come out late 2023 but uh, that is not the case so um i will definitely be watching i'll probably talk about it every week because it'll be Sunday nights, if I'm not mistaken. Let me yeah. check what day the 15th is. It's Sundays, right? Sundays, yeah. So, so I'll watch it, and then I'll come on Mondays ready to record and talk about my thoughts on the latest episode pertaining to its relation to the video game. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's a little early to establish this, but I feel like we should do a big premiere review, a light every episode review and then a big series review at the end. Yeah. Maybe we'll even do like a bit 
after the last episode comes out where like the last 10 minutes is spoiler talk so like if people don't want to listen they can still listen to that episode yeah i'm just spitballing here so we can get feedback from the audience yeah but um we're done no more television no more movies we're back to video games back to the best video game of all time call of duty modern warfare 2 just to be clear the one that came out this year not the other one um and it's a big deal because um see i wanted to tell you that it was the uh fastest selling call of duty ever but for some reason my link that i have no longer takes me to that article and instead takes me to an article about tiktok um but i i know the information so it's fine the new call of duty has become the fastest selling call of duty ever part of me is surprised because I don't know. My brain told me that the gaming industry was starting to stagnate at a very high point. Stagnation is not necessarily a problem when your industry is this massive, but like Call of Duty is still getting bigger somehow. I think that bra- the the them saying that they're going to take a break and not do it every year helped. Maybe. I think, yeah. I also think that what helped a lot is I I think there's three factors at play here. Um, that I think is probably the biggest one. The second biggest is that modern warfare and its characters are something that people are very nostalgic about because the first modern warfare, modern warfare two came out in like 2009 or whatever. Um, so people, and it's the same characters, just like a different timeline. So I think people are very nostalgic about these characters. There's also the element of like the multiplayer, obviously I'm kind of thinking more campaign um, and then third, third, I peruse a little app called TikTok. Okay. And if you, the thing about TikTok's algorithm is that it's very intense. So if you like one video about anything in relation to video games, it shows, it tries to distill down to like what specific video games you like to hear about. So I think there are some very interesting astroturfy, uh, marketing going on here because I liked one TikTok, one about a character in Call of Duty, okay? Because I like the character, not any other reason, okay? And now almost every other TikTok on my timeline is of that character. And that has genuinely, I believe, been some sort of like in really intense marketing campaign. Um and I, you know, it hasn't worked on me. I haven't bought it because I don't want to. Um but like I said, I think the bigger factors at play here are probably the nostalgia factor and also the um, the uh, the sort of break in between. Yeah. I also think I have heard that this I don't know about multiplayer, but I have heard that the com- campaign um, in this game is actually one of the better ones. So um, to me, that doesn't mean much because every Call of Duty campaign I've played, I've hated or not hated. I just they bore me to tears i do think that they could do a lot more to be um what's the word good Unique. i think they, they could do a lot more to innovate because yeah it does get really repetitive and there's not really a whole lot of like the story is kind of like i feel like the story has been the same since um like black ops where it's kind of like Oh, you you thought you were on that guy's side. Now he's betraying you. It's like, uh, it was cool. Like it was cool when they did it for the very first time, and then now I feel like they do it 
every single time. Yeah. I feel um, like when there's game like first person shooters like Titanfall 2 that share like so much DNA with Call of Duty but do something truly unique, it's hard to give a pass to Call of Duty for doing the same thing, maybe perfectly, but if it's the same thing and it doesn't excite, kind of what's the point, you know? So Yeah, totally. And I think a big distinction here to make is it is the fastest selling Call of Duty ever. That doesn't make it the best yet. It might peak faster. Like it might just be that everybody wants to get in on the multiplayer, but the longevity won't be as good. I think realistically, if there's no Call of Duty next year, this game is fated to have the best longevity just because Call of Duty's never had like that break year. So -hmm. there might be some people who are like, yeah, I'll just wait till next year to get one. And then there is no new one. So they'll be like, well, I guess I'll get it now. But I guess we'll find out. Time will tell. Uh, We don't care about Call of Duty that much here, but it is always an interesting conversation topic. Yeah. Yeah. I played um I played the original Modern Warfare 2 like way back in the day, so. Me too. It was like one of the first games that I like one of the first um games like that that I ever played and it was uh it was very jarring for me. It was like <laughs> my previous experience with first person shooters was like the old James Bond game on PlayStation 2. Agent Under Fire. Agent <laughs> Under Fire. Yeah. Should I buy a copy? I think you should. Okay. Um. So, uh, shifting gears a little bit here. Is it switching or shifting? Both. I feel like the word switch shifting. The same purpose. We're switch shifting <laughs> um, into a different story now. <laughs> um, back in uh, like June, maybe there were reports of a new Kojima game. Um. And apparently some footage has leaked from the game. It has not been announced yet. Um, the game is called Overdose. It appears to be a horror game. Um, the footage has Margaret Qualley in it, who was in Death Stranding. Love. She's also in a show that I watched called Made that was very depressing. Um, the footage that we saw, it's kind of like, it's not the best footage, but um, Did you watch see, it? Yeah, it's oh. like here linked in the article. Right, I just didn't watch it. It's a third person. It almost looks a little bit like um, Until Dawn or like uh, uh, The Quarry, where it's like a third person kind of like clunky-ish controls with a flashlight. Um, but yeah. I'm real curious if this is like a well-veiled... Death Stranding sequel because like now in Kojima Death Stranding 2 or whatever it's going to be called could be like drastically different from the original so like this looking kind of like a spooky game wouldn't shock me but if it's also just like a standalone spooky game with Margaret Qualley I'm, I'm down I love her and I love Kojima despite his oh weirdness. sorry I called her Qualley I meant Qualley it might She's, be Qualley um, I don't know I say Qualley because it, it's like a quail egg yeah like I said, she's in that show made that I watched. Very, very upsetting show. Um, Are you suggesting? Not catch a break. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll prop. I'd I'd guess if we don't see this at the Game Awards, we'll see it at next year's uh Summer Games Fest with Jeff because you know Kojima and Jeff are BFFs, and that's probably where we're going to see it every time we see it. Yeah. Why are Kojima and Jeff? BFFs. Kojima has a lot of very interesting friends. Jeff is the most confusing one. 
Do you think, I think I would be good friends with Jeff Keighley. I think he's amicable. Yeah, but at the same time, I just want to constantly tell him, like, Jeff, buddy, like, your shows are so boring. I would never say that to him. I rem- he tweeted the other day. Would be friends. He tweeted the other day and was like, you guys would not believe what I just saw. And I was like, <laughs> I probably would. Like, if I've seen your shows, there's a 95% chance I would 100% believe what you just saw. It's just like a... It's like a double rainbow or something. It has nothing to do with video <laughs> games. You guys won't believe what I just saw outside my window. He just walked into the grocery store and Lay's were like, buy one, get one. He's like, oh my God, what a deal. <laughs> I wish. I wish he tweeted like that. Um, Speaking of tweeting and uh, fungible things, Square Enix registered a trademark for a new game called Symbiogenesis. People started to get excited. That is a term used regularly in the long dormant Parasite Eve series. Um, I think there was there was a pretty wide assumption that this was going to be a Parasite Eve follow up of some sort. Um, if you believed that, I'm sorry to tell you, you're an idiot. You're stupid. It's an NFT collectible art experience. They're making an NFT game. We knew they wanted to get into the NFT game based on some words they had earlier this year. But they're actually doing it. They're releasing an NFT game like a year after NFTs were really a thing or whenever it comes out. Who knows? You know, NFTs are like 98% declined from what they were at their peak already. They're not sustainable in any capacity. So I'm really curious what this game will be and why they think it's a good idea now. Yeah, I, I don't really get it. I don't get why they've like leaned all in to this NFT thing. I feel like especially here, I don't know if it's like an East and West kind of thing, but I really feel like out here in the in the West, Wild West, NFTs have really, really, like you said, really like phased out of the conversation. Um, So I think it's interesting that they would even like commit any time to this. It seems like a really stupid business decision. And I don't think that you can... Um, trust anything on the the blockchain no. so I don't know it just seems like a really bad dis- business decision yeah unless I can block things with my chain as Kratos from God of War I don't care I haven't oh. played it and this is not a transition into my review it's not even out yet well I'm just thinking about him because I'll be playing him in a couple of, be playing it not him I'll be playing as him in his I'll be can you take the reins away from me You'll be being him, being him. No, I didn't mean to fix You'll a be... sentence. I meant move on to the, get me <laughs> out of the hole. Don't enter the hole with me. Okay. I'll get you out of that hole. Don't worry. Um, last Wednesday, PlayStation announced that the PlayStation VR 2 will be launching February 22nd next year, 2023. And it will be retailing for... $549.99 U.S. American dollar. Um, I'm not going to have any commentary. I'll just let you tell the audience how I'm physically responding to this news. Andrew is dabbing like it's 2019. 2018 when was dabbing a thing like 2016 it was like 2015 2016 yeah wow 
he's dabbing like crazy. Like it's his job. He's peace signing. He is Oh, well, I won't tell what you I'll I won't tell the audience what you're doing now because it's a little bit morbid. Um <laughs> I'll just say there's a certain rope-like object tied around a certain neck-like part of my body. This is a very absurd amount of money to be asking for. Do what? you think that I'm Jeff Bezos or something? It's not like it's more than the console. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's more than the console. What on earth are, like, are they really, like, I thought this was supposed to be a mass appeal kind of device, but if they're selling it for $550, $50 more than a PlayStation 5, this is not a mass appeal. This is a niche device and that blows my mind that blows my mind also it's $550 and it still requires a wire <laughs> like come on figure out bluetooth figure it out boys playstation was like do you want a product that's worse that costs more than the console well we've got just the thing for you baby you know what else is crazy what? i assumed in my ignorance my stupidity that the Horizon Call of the Mountain video game for PlayStation VR 2 was like a nice pack-in for those who paid $550 for the device. Wrong. It's also $50. <laughs> and knowing Sony right now, $50 is budget, meaning it's probably going to be like a very short experience. I can't yeah. imagine paying six, because like you have to buy that game, because otherwise you don't have anything to play on it. Meaning you have to pay $600. Is it like backwards compatible? Can't you play nope. like old VR? Nope. You very distinctly are not allowed to play PlayStation VR games. Like PlayStation VR 1 games. Which is annoying to me because I got a bunch for free during like some big event. And figured like, oh, well, I'll probably get a PSVR 2 eventually. And then I can play them. And I never will be able to play them. Which is fine because I don't want to pay $550 for this. I've basically like given up on VR for a long while because I like the Oculus Quest 2 but it's no longer an Oculus Quest 2 it's a Meta Quest 2 it's a far worse device and I finished RE4 so it's like that was the the software for it and now I'm like mm, I'm gonna put it in a drawer and I think I'm done with VR until like something either like if Half-Life Alex came to the PSVR 2 in a couple of years and the price dropped, I would start looking at it again. But that's not even a guarantee I'd get it. Yeah. I don't, I just don't understand. Like the, the, the decision making happening, it just is not making sense to me. It's expensive. That's for sure. Yeah. I can't, I don't even know what to talk about. I just know it's so freaking pricey. It's like, Holy mother of goodness. That's a lot of oh. a lot of dough. Oh. How much That's I a buy lot of It's a lot of what? I was just going to say doll hairs, but it wasn't that funny. That's pretty funny. Thank you for your support. That's just a lot of brand new video games I could buy. You know, like day 1 release video games, a lot of them. Like 6, 7, 8, 9 of them. Yeah. Did you like that live math I just did? Six, seven, eight, nine. Can you keep going or is that like all you got? Well, then I can't buy that many games because 10 new games oh. would be like six to $700. Right. 
Right. A game that will not cost me six to seven hundred dollars. In fact, it will cost me zero dollars because I have exo- ac- access. Exos. <laughs> <laughs> I have access to Xbox Game Pass. That is Atomic Heart, game that was supposed to come out this year, has been delayed. Not by a whole lot, though. It's coming out February 21st, day before the PSVR 2. That's a coincidence. I didn't mean to put them next to each other. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I was under the impression that it was coming to Xbox One. I don't think it is anymore. I think I just found that out. Xbox... What about the Xbox 360? Is it coming to Xbox? Yeah, it's coming to Xbox 360. <laughs> that was an evil laugh. Sorry. I'm. I think I'm having a sad time right now. I think I'm just discovering this second that it's coming. No, it's coming to Xbox One. Okay, we're good. Oh, it's coming okay, to everything. It's coming to PlayStation. Yeah, it's coming to 360 and and also Xbox Original. And the Wii U. No. <laughs> but it is coming to the Wii. Do you remember when they stopped releasing Just Dance games for Wii U but kept releasing them for Wii? No. When did that happen? I don't know. 2017, 2016? Oh. Anyway, it is coming to Xbox One. The page I opened on the Xbox page was just trying to push the Series X really hard. It's coming to PlayStation 4, 5, Series X, Xbox One, PC, and it will be available for free, or included, I should say, on Xbox Game Pass. So I'll be playing that February 21st. I'm really excited for it. It feels like a fun kind of spiritual successor to Bioshock, like a modern take with a lot of technology and such. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, um... Some? It's got good, uh, good aesthetics. Good graphics. Good, yeah. Good graphics. So. That's some really nice graphics. So much to my surprise, I didn't realize it was a full price game either. Like it's six seventy dollars on PlayStation Five and Series X, so mm. I'll be saving big. I feel like most of the games that aren't first party that come to Game Pass are like discount games, not discount, but like under traditional retail price. So seeing a seventy dollar game coming to Game Pass is exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so something that we saw a little while ago, I can't remember when we saw the very first trailer, but, um, it was E3 2021 because it was during the same conference as that, um, what was it called? The, uh, what's the scary vampire pixel art game? Forgot. Oh, no. It's like re, re returned or something. Returnal is a different game. No. Uh, re, uh, remind, um, we're going to get it. No, this is a fun live game we're doing right now. Um, vampire pixel art game. Um, uh, stop. Re, re Redfall. Nope. Uh, hey guys, uh, this is Andrew from Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. Me and Kelly are incapable of remembering the name of a game coming to Xbox uh, next year or something. I don't. Oh yeah, it got delayed. Remember? Yes. Yes. It got delayed. Uh, not Redfall. Not Vampire Survivors. 
Are you guys enjoying this content? Replaced. Replaced. Anyway, that is so irrelevant. They were announced at the same time. Replaced has nothing to do with this. Um, <laughs> The game Somerville, where you play as a person and their dog, perhaps, and another person, and you're traveling through some sort of post-catastrophe world. Um, it is been, It has been announced that it's coming out November 15th. So... I don't know if you guys know when November 15th is. <laughs> um, it's actually next week. So <laughs> Yeah, this, this one surprised me because, like, I've been waiting for this. I'm real excited to play it. Um, it's also on Game Pass, which means I don't have to pay for it either, which is nice. Um, yeah. I've, I'm, it's a spiritual successor to Inside and Limbo because it's one of the major creators from that studio. I feel like this came out of nowhere. Also, the new trailer to announce the release date was just an old trailer, but with, like, text over it. So I'm like, they're really withholding, which makes me excited. Because for a game like this, I feel like it's because they have something really cool and, like, surprising involved. Yeah, definitely. So Very exciting. I love it when it's like, see you next week, suckas. Exactly. Like, this is coming out the same day as Pokemon now, right? Oh, no. It's coming out a few days before Pokemon, so they give me a few days to potentially beat this before Pokemon. It's literally eight days from now. Seven days if you're listening on release day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, Well, Kelly, that's the news. Did you play any games? You might be shocked to know that I did not. Mentally and emotionally, I am at capacity this week. So I wasn't really able to play anything new. I just played a lot of my old familiars. But I know for a fact that you played something this week. I played a Some couple things. somethings. Yeah. I got a couple of big reviews, sort of. One review, one impressions. My first review is Resident Evil Village's Winter's Expansion, specifically the Shadows of Rose campaign. This is the direct follow-up to Resident Evil Village. Now in third person, it follows uh, Ethan Winter's daughter, all grown up 18 years after the ending of Resident Evil Village. Um, she returns to the setting of Resident Evil Village in a mysterious circumstance. So if you've played Village, which I assume you have, because um, if you're playing Resident Evil Ro Shadows of Rose, you have to own Village. Uh, you'll recognize almost all of the environments because it is a return to those environments. I think it's technically pretty good. There's one segment in the latter half that's really good. Um, if you remember like the horror-heavy elements... Of Resident Evil Village, there's a segment of this game that feels very similar to that, like very puzzle heavy and less combat focused and very spooky. Um, it's fun to revisit those village locations, like I said, but I do know that this game was made for first person because playing it in third person, a lot of the corridors feel a little too tight. You know, it's hard to move the camera around, hard to see what's going on. It feels like you're supposed to be in the in the character's head looking directly where they are. Um, sadly, the story was the thing I was most intrigued about because I think Village left some really interesting things open, but it doesn't really do a lot. It doesn't answer any of Village's lingering questions besides like a couple tiny things. In fact, it, it opens a couple things that it also leaves open. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun romp. I finished it in a little under three hours. 
I probably should not have played it immediately after I finished the three remake and Resident Evil four for Kelly's retrospective. That definitely didn't do a lot of good for my impressions of this game. I also think twenty dollars is steep for a uh three hour expansion that doesn't bring a lot to the table. Uh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spoil something, but it's not really a spoiler. It's more so letting you know, um, this game adds so little that like there's a cliffhanger ending of Resident Evil Village, which I won't talk about, but like at the very end there's like a hint at revealing something and then it doesn't actually reveal it. This game ends on the same cutscene, like one to one, and then it doesn't change that ending. So it technically ends on the same cliffhanger a year and a half later for an additional price. So that part bothered me. But if you're a diehard of Resident Evil Village or the series in general, this is not a bad time. Um, it's a deal for people who don't have the game yet because it's only $10 to add it to the base game, like to get the gold edition. So in that case, yeah, it's worth playing, but I don't know. I didn't try the base game in third person because I feel like this gave me a pretty good taste of what it's like. Um, I don't really need to look at the back of Ethan's head. I think I'm good. I think I'll just wait for Resident <laughs> Evil 4 remake in a couple months. And then you can look at the back of Leon's head. Much more appealing than Ethan. <laughs> um, arguably a more important game that I played this week. Um, definitively a more important game to me that I played this week. Bayonetta 3. It's real. Um, as far as I can tell, I'm not imagining it. I, I'm fairly certain it is a product that I bought and put into my Switch and I'm playing through actively. Um, full transparency to the audience. My brother's wedding was last weekend. Congratulations to Nick. Um, I'm very tired still. It was a long weekend, so I got home couple days after Bayonetta 3 released um had very little energy to play it so I played a little bit at a time I'm like eight and a half hours in which for like a normal person that's a lot in a week you know but for me that's not a lot for a game that I've been waiting this long for since like 2014 um but let's get right into the impressions the gameplay is as good as ever it's incredibly tight I slipped right back into it. The second I turned it on, I was having so much fun with it. The mechanics are familiar, but expanded upon in the best way. The new mechanics are so incredible. Uh, now, when you get a new weapon, it changes your uh, transformations. So if you double tap the dash button, you transform. In the previous games, you transform into like a panther figure. Um, now you transform into a different creature for every different weapon that you have. So... Right off the bat, you get Madama Butterfly, who is like a humanoid f creature. And then you get access to a spider creature. You get access to a uh, weird Cthulhu-legged creature. There's lots of different options. They all have different movement abilities, which I think is such a cool way to change up the game. Because you're dashing a lot just to move around quickly. Therefore, like if you're changing your weapons regularly, you're seeing different movement patterns constantly. It's a great way to keep the game fresh that I wouldn't have imagined. Um, there's also a summoning mechanic that they really pushed hard. So you're able to summon these giant demonic creatures to fight alongside you. But the whole lore thing is that to keep them captured, you have to be doing like this demonic dance. So Bayonetta is literally doing like a dance. So you're playing 
holding down the trigger, controlling these giant creatures. And in the foreground, Bayonetta's doing a dance to tell them what to do. But that also means she's extremely vulnerable. So if anybody touches you, you cannot fight back because you're controlling the demon. So it's a really interesting risk-reward system, and it's really fun to play as like these kaiju monsters. Fighting giant things or even just stomping on little enemies, it's super satisfying. Um, they also added the ability at the end of a combo. Um, if you pull off a combo successfully and then use a trigger, you pull that demon out for like one last attack, and they have these really fun animations, do lots of damage. It's really satisfying once you get that down. The story is fun. Um, it's very straightforward, which I appreciate. Uh, it covers a lot of multiverse things, which I think is, it's very popular right now, the whole multiverse idea. Um, but it kind of doesn't delve into the intricacies of what that means. Uh, it focuses on like a linear structure and I think that benefits it a lot. I don't really need to think about what is like metaphysically possible in the multiverse of Bayonetta. I just like seeing lots of crazy stuff happening on screen, you know? And I think that's okay. I don't have to be, like, that's okay. I'm allowed to enjoy that, right? Yes. Yeah. It's fun. It's no, like, Doctor Strange. I haven't seen Doctor Strange. I assume this is nothing like that. Um, I actually haven't seen it either, so I really can't tell you. Well, this has been a review of Doctor Strange. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Back to Bayonetta 3. Uh, the other major <laughs> character in this game is Viola. She's the short-haired witch with a sword that we've seen in all of the marketing materials. She is a great addition, so you get to play as her for uh, seemingly about half the game. And she feels like the perfect blend of Bayonetta's playstyle and like a Dante from Devil May Cry. Because a lot of the people working on this worked on Devil May Cry back in the day. And this feels like a blend of those two formulas. Um, she takes... A whole lot of getting used to though if you have a deep history of bayonetta playing like i do it's weird to switch gameplay styles because she does not dodge to trigger witch time the slow motion activation um because bayonetta if you dodge at a perfect time you, everything goes slow motion with viola you have to block at the perfect time which is a lot i don't know if it's harder it's a lot different so in my brain it, it is harder because i'm so used to one way um one really exciting thing is that the levels because this is a like chapter-based game, they're a lot longer than I expected. Um, they have tons of exploration in them. They're linear, but they have tons of branching pathways to pick from and lots of uh, cool things to discover. And it feels to me like they were taking the most satisfying bits of like an open-world game and collectibles from that and blending it into a linear game, which I think benefits this game more than if they had gone like open-world or something like that. Um, there's so many collectibles... There's lots of aesthetic options like costumes and stuff, and the weapons are also drastically different looking. There's even achievements per level. There's secret levels you can unlock from finding collectibles in the levels. Um, and those all serve to prolong the game in like a meaningful way. It doesn't feel like any of it is padding, which is rare to find in a, a game like this because no padding is... It's hard to pull that off. Um, and it really encourages replays. It has a fun scoring system. So at the end of every verse as it's called every battle um you get rated on a what would you call it stone to platinum so it's stone bronze silver gold and platinum and then at the end of the chapter you get uh ranking based on all of those different fights i like i said i haven't finished this game yet so i will be talking about it more later but i feel like i've covered a lot of the bases um most of what i'll probably have to say later will just be overarching story opinions i've covered 
enough of the gameplay styles that I feel like my 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 ideas will not change. I'm just going to see more of them. And for that reason, if you ask me if you should play Bayonetta 3, I'd say, well, play the other ones first. But yes, yes, for sure. It's it's going to be the real interesting thing is going to be seeing whether at the end of this whole thing, I like it better than Bayonetta 2 or not. Um, right now, it is definitely in the running. So I'm excited to find out more about the story and just keep playing it. I'm taking my time, which is difficult for me because I'm a game binging boy. I even <laughs> binge Shadow of Roses. Like Shadow of Rose, I played in two sittings, which granted it's only three hours. But like I was like, oh, I got to finish it because I want to talk about it on the podcast. Bayonetta 3, I was like, nah. I want to make sure I'm not tired at any point while I'm playing this game. I want to enjoy it fully. Yeah. So, but it's real. I just I know. I was just going to say, I just can't believe it's here. I feel like... So much buildup. So much buildup. We've been waiting for this moment. All I my know. life. I... Me, the Bayonetta fan. Yeah. What are you, How do you feel about Bayonetta 3? How have you been enjoying it? Um, I hate it. So different from 2. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah? Is that what just you think? Kidding. I haven't played it. I've never played a Bayonetta game, but I'm happy for Andrew. So I'm glad that you're happy for me. I'm happy. I'm thankful that you're here for me and you support me. Um, Bayonetta three is really good and it's real. Somehow I got the collector's edition also. Um, I'm not going to review that because I haven't opened the art book yet because I'm waiting till I finish the game because I assume there's like late game art in there. Yeah. So I'll. I don't know. Maybe in three weeks I'll review the Bayonetta three art book instead of returning to the game itself. It's chonky. I feel like most collector's edition art books these days are like really thin and paperback. And this one's like quite thick and hardback. And I was like, hardcover, sorry. And I'm like, nice. Thank you. Ah, give me real art. Because like the Persona 5 collector's edition is like seven pages. I'm like, oh, geez. And it's hardcover. I'm like, why even make a hardcover when it's like not, no content? Yeah. So. That's it. I did it. I played Bayonetta 3. It's not fake. I'm clapping. I know. You probably can't hear. No, it's completely audible. Oh, really? It must be like perfectly in the path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see on my waveform. Wow. Yeah. More like clap form. My clap form. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back next week. I'll have played Sonic Frontiers and God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb combination of games to have played. A very interesting combination of games yeah. to play. And then the week after, Somerville and Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for Pokemon. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to freaking run around, catch them all. I think Kelly's more excited for Pokemon than Sonic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hypocrisy. Sorry, Sonic. I feel like Pokemon <laughs> is kind of like the end of the barrage of video games too which is nice because not nice but like these games I've been doing a pretty good job of keeping on top of games like finishing them before the next one but I'm not gonna finish Bayonetta 3 before Sonic because that's out in um time of recording six hours <laughs> and I think I have like 10 hours left of Bayonetta so that's not gonna happen and then also God yeah. of War's out the next day and then Somerville's out six days after that and then Pokemon's out three days after that. Yeah, it's it's hopping and popping over here. Yeah, I think I have to quit my, my day job so that I can focus on reviewing things for the podcast. I think that you're right. 
I think we need to open a Patreon and ask people for very generous donations to fund, like, my rent and stuff. Yeah. Because we yeah, have I... both our rents combined, like, y'all are going to need to get on that Patreon when I open it tomorrow. <laughs> Please. Please. No, it's okay. I'll pl- I'll keep working at my job and pay for my bills. Don't worry, I won't be hungry. I will. I'm hungry right now. I am hungry too, but that's because we record at dinner time and we never eat before. <laughs> Which is smart, because then we'd be just burping the whole show. Yeah, I'm already burping the whole show. Yeah, I, I little do you know, audience, because I, I edit audio, uh, I edit Kelly, Kelly's audio, and I'm gonna edit me failing to say Kelly's audio out. <laughs> Uh, just constant burping, loud, right into the microphone, like shaking the wires inside the microphone. Yeah, I it's, go hard in the paint. Yeah, it's aggressive. So, but I guess we should thank everybody for listening, right? Yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening. As always, we always appreciate your presence and your patron. Well, don't say that. Listening, we don't... <laughs> you're, you're listening, not your patronage, because. You're not patronizing us, but maybe I'll I'll publish my my Venmo or PayPal or something. Yeah. No, I won't do that. I would never ask for money till we're unless we provide more. I prom I'm gonna promise it right now. If we ever get to the point where we're gonna open a Patreon or something, we'll we'll do like a second episode every week about like something else, like like a one where we just talk about our lives or something for just the patrons. Yeah. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week.